ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for rocking up for another episode of The Parentpreneur Show. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure in introducing to you all a very, very top guy who I've had the pleasure of knowing for a number of years now. I'd consider him a, a very good friend as well as a business partner, and that is Mr. Bruce Brooker. Bruce, take a bow. Say hello. <laughs> good afternoon, Michael. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. An absolute pleasure. So, Bruce, I think we'll, uh, I'm going to kick off immediately with what is clearly a Maori word at the top of the picture behind you, uh, at a guess. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, no, you're spot on. So, um, yeah, that was a family gift. Uh, we have four young children, as you know, and I know we'll come on to talk about them in a bit. But uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in New Zealand and uh, it got into my blood. And uh, Banu is, uh, yeah, Maori for family. And um, it, it's more, more than that. It's about connection and it's about community and it's about how we take care of each other. So um, my children see, uh, see that picture. Uh, every morning at the breakfast table, um, which is why I'm sat here because I thought it was relevant to this. So, uh, yeah, just uh, in our chaotic lives, it just gives us a little uh, uh, reset or uh, just to remember that, um, you know, where we go one, we go all. So, uh, yeah, very much uh, the family and, uh, yeah, the kids, uh, the kids like that. And, uh, yeah, the ocean is obviously pretty uh, near to where pretty. we live as well. So, yeah, hence, uh, hence the background. Pretty, pretty salient. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to that as well about where you are and how that affects some of your entrepreneurial as well as family activities. But um, it, it's interesting. Is that so subconsciously burnt into the into your kids sort of like psyches? Could they recite that back at you without having to look at it, do you think? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. You know, if, uh, yeah, let me uh, make sure I've got it absolutely right. Yeah. I think the uh, the premise was yeah, we know it's not a straight line. There's going to be a few ups and downs, and uh, yeah, but uh, that ultimately, um, you know, there is that family foundation for them to come back to, which is uh, yeah, really important to uh, Sarah and I that they have that and understand that. So yeah, they certainly would be able to recite the uh, the bottom one where we go one, we go all. Is uh, yeah, when you meet them, you'll uh, you'll be able to ask them that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic, and I look forward to that. It, it reminds me as well, funny enough, it wasn't quite as eloquently put as the picture behind you, but um, when I packed my bags up after school and, and uh, headed back down to South Africa, I remember my father dropping me off at the airport, airport in, I can't remember now if it was would have been London or Amsterdam, one or the other, wherever we were living at the time. And uh, he wasn't a big one for show or affection or anything like that, but he gave me a sort of a, a hug, stroke pat on the back and said, well, you know where we are if you need us. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. really important really important yeah having having that sort of safety net it uh, kind of probably inspires you to go go on and uh, be a little bit braver knowing that you've got something to uh, fall back on uh, in terms of an emotional support network so uh, relevant to to the sea in part but you haven't always been an entrepreneur um no. so perhaps give me a little bit of the backstory and then we can come around to why you became one and 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 what you're up to as well um so yeah, followed uh, secondary education, did my A-levels, uh, went and did uh, a business uh, studies and marketing degree at Surrey University. So uh, yeah, I think uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but business studies and, uh, and marketing at the time felt like a, a broad brush degree. And uh, that was fantastic. Loved university. And 
then had the opportunity to go overseas and pursue a, a failed rugby career or a, a, a rugby career. So spent some time in Australia and New Zealand, and um, which was fantastic. And yeah, came back uh, preconceived visions before I went to New Zealand of probably joining the military, um, but nearly three were three years away from home some of my peer group have gone in and uh reflecting now on you know that time in my life it just didn't feel right so um I pursued a, a corporate career and uh I ended up on a graduate uh recruitment scheme at the Daily Telegraph group which published the Daily Telegraph newspaper or still publishes uh, the Daily Telegraph um and I found myself on the commercial side of uh, national newspapers for 12 years so Formerly at the Telegraph, uh, where where I ended up as circulation marketing uh, manager there, uh, which was great. A lot of key account management, a lot of wholesale logistics experience. Um, and then I went across to Associated Newspapers to run specifically the commercial divisions of the Evening Standard, um, which was yeah also very good and enjoyable, completely different from a national newspaper that was printed during the course of the day, so far more reactive. Um, some trade unions in our distribution hub there that were on my watch and uh, some advertising teams and some marketing teams. So, yeah, very much a, a corporate job, um, the daily commute and uh, the paycheck at the end of each month. So, yeah, you look back on those days and, uh, yeah, I did that for 12 years. Introducing Leadology.ai, sponsors of Series 1 of The Parentpreneur Show. Leadology.ai is the ultimate all-in-one digital marketing platform for service-based businesses ready to supercharge your success. With Leadology's exclusive offer for the Parentpreneur Show listeners, not only will you receive two months free with an annual subscription, but you'll also unlock an ultra-smart bonus bundle of clever solutions for your Parentpreneur business that will help you save time and unlock a world of opportunities. This bundle alone is worth $997. Just click on www.leadology.ai slash Mike to learn more. Knowing you as I do, and no, I, I wasn't in the media. I was in the city for a few years. Um, and knowing how all-consuming those kind of corporate, particularly city or London-based jobs are, what, what were you kind of feeling at the time? Um, did you, were you conscious of the fact that it had become all-consuming or did it kind of creep up on you? Uh, no, really mindful that it was all consuming. And um, yeah, you look back now and th- there was no getting away from it. You know, the, the nature of um, the nature of that business is um, it is reactive and it changes to, you know, uh, to the events of the world. And uh, even though, you know, my contract would have said I was paid from nine till six o'clock every day, you know, we, we all know that that's not the case. So, yeah, I think uh, looking back, Michael, you used to live very much for for the weekends. I was still playing rugby then, so Saturday, you know, blow off a lot of steam playing rugby, and um, you know, few few beers after that for sure. And then uh, Sunday, Sunday came around pretty quickly, and you know, uh, I can remember now the anxiety and you know, sort of four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon triggering um, when I was thinking and preparing for my 8.30 meeting with the editorial team on a Monday morning to justify or update on uh, on the previous week's uh, figures. So in terms of what we know now and how we operate, yeah, there was no um, 
there was no downtime uh, or escaping it. And, you know, you, you had paid holidays, obviously you don't get paid holidays in, in our current worlds, but um, even then, you know, it was, it was there. So uh, was I aware of it at the time? Probably not. You know, there was an element of uh, keeping up with the Jones, Joneses. I cringe a little bit about that now, as I say those words, but you know, that peer group, I was living in the Southeast. It was job promotion, um, you know, the cars, the house, the holidays. Um, yeah, it wasn't a life. And, you know, I, I've seen people who are still on that treadmill and I think it is a treadmill. Yeah, their physical and mental health has been affected massively. So, uh, yeah, um, it probably latterly, uh, when I made the decision to leave, yeah, I was aware that this was not good for me. Was there any one sort of catalytic moment or was the one incident or, or, or as I said before, did it just kind of come slowly to the boil? Uh, just thought, and we can edit this because um, th there is one yeah. caveat on this, which I'll tell you about. Um, yeah, cool. I, I, I was married previously, as you're aware, and uh, yeah. yeah, unable to have children with my ex-wife. And I think combining pretty big jobs or high pressure jobs respectively and uh, and that IVF uh, trail um yeah it, it reached a point where I think both of us probably reached that point at the same time which was this is not going to work this is not making either of us happy and uh, and a line was drawn so um the association newspapers were brilliant you know I, I was put on a a six month uh, sabbatical um, to go and, you know, clear my head and understand what I might or might not want to do. And uh, always grateful for to uh, to them as an organization for that. And that was the first time in, you know, 12 years that I actually had some headspace to, to make some decisions and uh, think about what I really wanted to do. And Devon uh, always held a, you know, a place uh, in our family and um, I was spending most of my free time here when I had it and uh, so moving to Devon was always very high on the agenda as was going back to New Zealand so um, in terms of financing all of that I had no idea but I, I became clearer that I didn't want to be uh, beholden to someone else on uh, on a daily basis so um, yeah I think the catalyst of uh, parting company and uh, having that downtime meant that uh, you know at 32 years of age or whatever I was then there was some uh, there were some options I think it, I think it's fascinating because everyone myself included there has been that kind of one kind of tipping point and it, it, it's always a combination of emotional personal as well as professional where they sort of culminate and I don't think it's by any coincidence I think they can kind of contrive subconsciously in the background um, you know, and you take your, you know, you become mindless, you know, as opposed to mindful about certain aspects of your life, often relationships, that was, that was a, you know, a fault I had in my previous, in my previous marriage. Um, and all of a sudden you think, oh my God, it, it's a bit like the negative, you know, there's that lovely saying, the, you know, the overnight success that took 10 years to become an overnight success. It's a bit like the, the same thing with this. It's like, you know, the uh, sort of major career shifts uh, that happened, uh, you know, that happened overnight, it doesn't, there's this, you know, accumulative, progressive, iterative sort of pathway that you suddenly realise that you've been on for quite some time. So moving on to sort of brighter things and sort of, uh, you know, places like uh, in the picture behind you, 
the shift to Devon. What happened yeah. there? What was geographically, friendship-wise, it was all to do with that. And and what about the sort of entrepreneurial aspect? Where did that kick in? Um, so yeah, during that sabbatical, I was spending a lot of time in uh, the south of France with uh, some very dear friends, um, and I was spending a lot of time in Devon uh, with one of my business partners, who you know well, and. Um, yeah, a young lady sort of uh, got in the way. I was going to go back to New Zealand, but uh, that plane ticket never got cashed. And uh, uh, I ended up staying in Devon. And um, yeah, it was it was good. And uh, but I realized very quickly, you know, Devon's always been a holiday destination for us. And I learned probably in those first six months, um, I was you know in effect I was written out written out of my job at Associated Newspapers so I took a little bit of redundancy there which was which was great but for anyone listening to this uh, that doesn't last forever um and uh that iceberg thawed quite quickly um so it was at that point Michael where yeah I I had uh, had a vision um I think Moving to Devon, you know, Devon was always the memories and we, you know, we live here, I live here full time now, but the memories were always very much around free time and holiday sailing, the beach, you know, the yahooing, the friends, the peer group. So I, I wasn't coming into an area where I didn't know anyone, um, but I was coming into an area where I'd never made any money before. So um, that was, you know, the summers are great, the winters are, are different and, mm. you know, there was a little bit of adjustment there. In terms of work, um, yeah, I, I was probably the poshest uh, labourer in uh, in South Devon for the first four months that I got here. I think uh, a couple of people were confused who the hell is this guy, but that was great. I love all that, you know, labouring, I think, is so good for you physically, mentally. You can actually see at the end of your eight hours what you've actually done. So um, that was good, and I, I enjoyed that. Couldn't do that forever. Um so got into Exeter. Exeter's the was uh, changing, but you know, 16, 17 years ago when I came here full time, um, Exeter was very much the business hub of uh, of the Southwest. You know, people were a bit confused within my peer group, like you actually want to drive 50 minutes up the road. You know, it was like, yeah, I used to drive an hour and a half. Well, I used to commute an hour and a half, hour 45. So that was interesting. And there's a change of pace and a change in sort of dynamic down here. Anyway, got it, got into Exeter. Um, I started working for uh, an event company um, as their general manager, small business um, in the equine and game fair uh, world. Um, we had eight events and I was in sole charge. The owner was uh, in remission from cancer. So I reported into her on a monthly basis. So it was pretty much my ship to run and um, did that for three years. And that was great. During that time, I also set up, also set up a, an activity gift voucher business um, alongside called Extreme West. I had this vision of um, setting up a regional Red Letter Days. And I think it was probably from that moment when I moved to Devon that I realized that to create some financial uh, success, you know, I was going to have to be entrepreneurial or, you know, or have multiple revenue streams. And, you know, so it began. So, yeah, contour exhibitions, um, which was good. Uh, Extreme West, the activity gift voucher business. Um, alongside that, I uh, was a rugby agent for a short time. Um, and uh, yeah, the journey began. 
I think it's fascinating. A lot of people um, assume that you have to be sort of urban centric to become an entrepreneur. That's where you've got your finger on the pulse. That's where, you know, the, the, the footfall, the, the great ideas and everything else are. But from what you've just said and, and from my own experience, it's very often away from that where people have a bit more space to sort of like look at things from from above and they're not sort of nose to the grindstone every day. Is, is that a fair comment? Hundred percent. Yeah, the the altitude view, looking down on all of this, and uh, yeah, Devon, the southwest, by virtue of yeah, the the people and the businesses, and it, it's a completely different pace of life. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. You know, I, I've got to go to well, uh, back up to the southeast tomorrow and um, nip into London, and yeah, you, you, it's it's a completely different dynamic. It's uh, the hustle and bustle, the pace, and uh, I think, yeah, Devon lends itself to entrepreneurship and uh, there are certainly a lot of people doing that down here now, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've, you've obviously mentioned Sarah, your wife and your, and your children. So you, you are one of those, what I call parentpreneurs, which is what this show is all about. The people who um, by and large choose to become entrepreneurs because they, they opt for a type of lifestyle. They want to have a better quality of life. The whole strategy of maintaining that work-life balance how do you manage that physically mentally um financially how, how what are your kind of tricks uh i don't think there's tricks michael i think it's been learning on the job so um just some background on that sarah and i got married we were lucky enough to have jacob uh fairly quickly after that so he arrived um we then uh isabella arrived within two years. So uh, that was great. And uh, I was beginning to set up businesses and moving more into my consultancy world. So um, at that time, I, I had gone out on my own, set up my own limited company. I was doing consultancy into professional services and, uh, and, uh, and a couple of other businesses. Um, bought a cottage, um, thought, yeah, might have some more children or another child, more children. Um, and then uh, that day, um, you know, with, with the background of the IVF, I sort of cringe a little bit with the complacency, but um, Sarah was pregnant again, and uh, we took two cars to Torbay Hospital, I can remember it like it was yesterday, and when we went in, and we found out that we were, we were having twins, and that was, um, yeah, that did take the wind out of my sails at that moment in time, because uh, I did a, probably what most blokes would have done at the time, went into a bit of a flat spin to think, how the world's not set up for four children you know it's uh you know you, cars hotels flights life you know four kids that's not that's not straightforward so i think uh as well as at the rugby club being um named the most fertile man in the south hams which wasn't a particularly nice badge i'll be honest but uh provided amusement for other people i think uh i did provide good contraception for uh for a number of our peer group who were probably thinking shit you know i don't you know bruce and sarah have got four kids under four so so that all happened and um i think at that moment i became really clear that you know there, there's responsibility here and um you know i've got to make this work and uh yeah for 18 months that that was tough you know four children under four um I know one of your questions is inspiration and, you know, you, you triggered a lot of sort of positive memories of that time. You know, Sarah was amazing at that time and 
yeah, we had to work very hard. And I think if you were ever going to break something, that was going to be the time that it was going to break. You know, it wasn't a bed of roses. It wasn't straightforward. Everyone sleep deprived. But, you know, we uh, we got through it. So tricks. Um, yeah, I, I'm a great reader of all of this kind of stuff, as you know. But uh, I yeah. think the tricks at the time and certainly continues is, you know, it's always going to be all right. You've got no choice, but it's um, yeah. it's the quality of your thoughts um, that determine how you actually feel. So um, I think probably in a previous life, I might have, um, you know, got upset if the drawer was left open or I, I don't know, you know, just silly little things that now with four kids who are now 12, 10 and uh, nine, respectively, charging around, you know, the, the small things don't matter so much, you know. Well, I, I, that, that's one thing don't you know it's a cliche again don't sweat the small stuff but it's it's really relevant in this house you know yeah. it's not spick and spam it's not a show house but so that, that's one trick don't uh don't get too upset about it i think um the the scheduling is, is really important um and both physically and mentally you and i've spoken about that previously they obviously interconnect so i think it's really really important that um people do carve out that self time um, to look after themselves. Um, I remember a course that I went on, uh, and I'm not a good delegate of courses, but this particular course, um, the instructor uh, said something that has always stuck with me. And it, it was the, uh, the analogy, you're on an aeroplane, um, and uh, you're having that safety briefing at the beginning, and uh, what happens next? And normally what happens next is they talk around the oxygen mask and all this kind of stuff. And in the event of the plane going down, what would happen? And where where he was trying to get to is that um, you put your own oxygen mask on before you put it onto other people. And it always struck me as a really good analogy that you know we can't really take we, we can't take care of families, others unless we take care of ourselves. So um, yeah, carving out that self time for the physical and mental is uh, is important. And yeah, I'm pretty tight on that most days, as you know. Absolutely. Well, I was about to say, um, you're probably uh, a handful of people, maybe I'd count myself in there, but you are definitely growing old disgracefully in terms of um, the physical challenges that you keep giving yourself. Do you want to kind of share maybe some of those? You always, uh, yeah, you always yeah, leave me feeling I, tired um, when you WhatsApp me your workouts. So Yeah, I think, um, yeah, lots of thoughts on that. Let me just get them clear in my head. I, I think, People look at age, you know, I'm 48 and uh, yeah, I don't consider myself to be 48 and, you know, I'm still physically, you know, still able to do some of those things that I was always able to do and in some ways better, you know, yeah. as we get as we get older and our knowledge base and our experience increases, taking care of our bodies, you know, I wish I knew what I knew now. You know, when I was playing rugby 28 years ago. Um, so uh physical challenges, yeah. Enjoy training. It's you know, it's linked to the mental. So built a, a small gym during uh during COVID, and you know, that's got some fairly hideous bits of kit in there, a rowing machine, uh a sort bike, and um so yeah, we there's no rhyme or reason to my training. We just we try and get it done. And uh I have a peer group that, you know, occasionally we might just say, you know, in six weeks' time, we'll go and run a coastal marathon, which requires 
you know, a little bit of training. So, uh, yeah, there's one of those on the agenda. And um, But it's not about breaking records. It's not about, you know, um, competition per se. It's just about doing it. And um, long may that continue. So there's a few things... Um, few things in the in the schedule still do a bit of boxing as you know I enjoy that um so yeah it, it's just movement on a on a daily basis and uh yeah uh a little bit of golf which I know you know that is definitely <laughs> not that's definitely an old man's yeah. game but uh uh had a nice moment yesterday um played in a father's and son's quarterfinal which we managed to get up in so my eldest son is definitely going to be better at golf than I am. But uh, so, yeah, physical challenges, um, I think it's good and not being disrespectful to any of my peer group. But you you see some of them and you're like, yeah, they they definitely look 50 years of age where, yeah. you know, probably do look 50. But we're, you know, we're trying to do something about it. I think we're in a similar boat because, you know, obviously I've got... Uh a nine and a seven year old. So yeah, it does keep you on the young side. You know, I don't want to be the old fat dad. So, uh, and, and, and I'm pleased to say I'm, I'm not, there's a lot of worse looking people that, that I've seen there at the school gates. So that's fine. Um, it's, it's interesting to, because one of my favorite sayings is you probably know is how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think you actually epitomize that because you apply the same vigor to your, uh, physical exercise, to your your mental well-being i know to your business and but also to your family i i always liken it to having to be a dynamic equilibrium i got that phrase from my from my karate teacher gavin mulholland he would always talk about dynamic equilibrium you can't ever be standing still and balanced you know uh, there's a constant movement to life to movement to activity how do you do you consciously sort of bring the family in on this say for example you know, you've got you've got a busy week. I know you have with a couple of days um, away from from the hams. Do you kind of actively bring them into it and say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. But, you know, next weekend we're going to be doing X, Y and Z as a family or or do they kind of just go with the flow, knowing that it works out nicely anyway? Uh, the latter, definitely. You know, yeah. the uh, yeah, there's a flow, there's a schedule. Um, it's written on a calendar. You know, those four, yeah. four children of, uh, of ours have uh different clubs, different interests, um, which is good. Uh, they do some things collectively. They do their karate collectively, as you know, uh, which yeah. is great. That's in the village hall, which is 400 meters from, from our front door. Um, but the, the try, I try not to get into the minutiae of my schedule with the, with the children. You know, they, they know that tomorrow I'm jumping on the train for 48 hours and I'll be back, you know, to see them on Thursday morning. That that's happening, you know, once or twice a month at the moment, and uh, but it doesn't impact their logistics. So um, yeah, just uh, maybe not answering your question, but the the flow, their scheduling is not impacted by what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. So there is there is that happy happy balance. You're able to still pursue what you want to be doing as an entrepreneur whilst maintaining that presence as a parent as a father. Yeah. Yeah, and I that 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 presence for you know I wrote that down actually um, in my morning notes when I was preparing this. Um, you know that presence is uh, is right at the top of the pile. Um, yeah, I, I think that's been guilty in the past of probably getting that wrong, and you know don't want to go back into previous generations. But yeah, my parents certainly certainly my father wasn't present for 
for me when I was growing up in a way that I'm trying to be for for our four children. And I think the thing I've learned on that is um, all, all they want is your time. You know, that that's the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, I, I self-train. Uh, I put that device, that mobile phone away. You're, you're good at this. Um, you know, I, I cringe when I see other people and, you know, you can't mm. dictate what other people do. But just being present for your children and uh, giving them grown up answers to questions, I think, is is really important. And we, we do that. And uh, yeah, we, we, Sarah and I are hopefully on nine times out of 10 on the same page of that. So um, it seems to be working. But, you know, got teenage years to go and it's an evolution and, you know, there'll be uh, there'll be some ups and downs. So um, but at the moment, yeah, there's uh, the strategy seems to be working. Yeah, the, the, I, I wrote that down. Dynamic equilibrium. Yeah, it's it's reasonably balanced at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think you. I think it's one of those things you accept that some days, you know, the family are going to require more TLC, more attention, more time, etc. It's very true. What they do want is your time, and it's about that quality of time. You know, um, as much as it may, you know, strain me. I'm trying to think of a polite word there. But, you know, if if my daughter wants me to sit there and, you know, sort of play make believe for 10 minutes and then she's happy and that's it. That's that's all she wanted from from daddy for the day. Great. Fantastic. It is about that quality. It is finding that balance. Um, but then other days where I think I guess I, I don't know whether it's mine, you know, my mine are all wee bit well, same age and younger. They They don't necessarily understand the fact that, you know, I have to be away all day or I won't be there when they go to bed that evening. I think one of the reasons I chose to be an entrepreneur was to be more present as a, as a parent. And again, like you said, you know, my dad was, was good and solid, but he, you know, one of, one of 11 or 12 children, and he was right down at the end of that chain as well. He was pretty self-sufficient and emotionally shut up you yeah. know, before he'd, uh, before he'd left home. Um, I mean, you, you touched on it just uh, previously, you know, one of the questions I often like to ask in these, in these uh, conversations is, about inspirations in your life and I think you, you kind of alluded to, to to one of them earlier being the children yeah 100% and uh so you know Sarah uh I, th this wouldn't have worked with without Sarah you know she's um she's amazing with the four children and she's very disciplined in terms of uh uh food plans and planning the weekly um the weekly menu you know um so the kids actually you know it's on, it's on the on the fridge here and the utility but you know the kids know what's happening at breakfast lunch and dinner and she um she will uh do all of that um so yeah when when i reflected this morning over coffee it was like She's so calm and organized that um that takes the pressure off me um you know i'm domesticated in the sense that you know I'll, I'll do the bins I'll do the dishwasher you know that not adverse to using the hoover and clearing out the log burner and all that kind of stuff you know it, it is a team game um but uh yeah the love and care that she gives as she would say sometimes her five children uh yours truly included is uh yeah that, that's inspirational you know that's um that's the good stuff and um so yeah that's that's one and the, the four children you know we're, we're always um people are always proud of their own kids and want the best for the for their own kids but i think at the moment the the positive feedback we get from you know teachers uh people who've never even met them you know that's uh 
that's a positive uh, reinforcement that what we're doing and the boundaries and how we're trying to bring them up is obviously working and you know it's uh you, yeah their manners uh are good etc so uh yeah it's I, I, there's a couple of quotes a lot of quotes actually but um one that always struck with me which um was that uh, uh ch children don't ask to be here you know that the, the, they're here um so um it's what we give them so uh yeah I think uh, that, that there's uh, a lot that we can do in uh, in bringing them up in the right way. But it comes back to that equilibrium. It's not straightforward bringing up kids uh, at all. And um, I think it's even harder in society today um, where most people are governed by a little black device and what other people are saying on that little black device and yeah. social media, um, et cetera. So I think those core family values, you know, Sarah's parents are, uh, uh farmers i think being around those farming communities and those those family family is really important and it you know it was the same back in new zealand you know the the family dynamic is is really important so um that's that's what i'm trying to adopt it feeds into one of my favorite saying which is the you know the african one that it takes a village to raise a child um, yeah you know i am more than happy if it's a reasonable comment for another parent at you know a sports event to pick my son's behavior up absolutely fine that's how it should be but equally i'd expect them to take it with good grace as well if uh, if i reciprocate and i i tend to yeah i tend to be less of a sort of shrinking violet or passive aggressive that you kind of kind of find it in english culture over here but I, I mean another a couple of things you just touched upon there you were very very conscious and, and mindful about creating that safe happy home environment for for your family which i think is key and as you said they they want your time as much as anything but being an entrepreneur being a parent obviously involves risk um so how do you sort of um reconcile sort of having to take risky decisions or how what's your risk management strategy like with respect to you know keeping things as stable as possible on, on the family front too um so the first the first payment that goes out of my bank account at the beginning of each month is the mortgage and that psychologically for the last five years has always been uh and it hasn't been straightforward but i've always done that and that's the most important thing uh for me is that you know you you pay that you pay that mortgage and that house is safe for another month um it's getting better obviously now but um uh so everything else is peripheral to that um because that's where the children live and then that's their happy place so come hell or high water that in my entrepreneurial journey has been priority number one everything else can you know can work around that so um in terms of risk uh yeah you know there's there's fingers in pies as you're fully aware of and some of those are coming home to roost and uh yeah it's been it's been bumpy and you know it's not plain sailing what's uh what's that saying nautical saying uh calm seas never make a skilled sailor certainly quite skilled these days i think because it's been quite bumpy so um i think yeah there has to be risks there the, the you know and there and there continue to be but um i think keeping that house uh 
mentally, psychologically paid for um, is uh, is really important. And uh, everything just flows from there. You know, there's lots of plans. And um, but, yeah, that's priority number one. It, it's it's true. I, I take a, an asymmetric approach to risk. There is always going to be risk, but I will try and make that risk as asymmetrically in my favor as possible in, in favor of, you know, my circumstances, my immediate sort of like bubble, if you will. Um, and, and for me, and I, I know it doesn't suit everybody, not everybody is cut out to do the entrepreneurial thing. But for me, the biggest lesson I got was uh, seeing how easy it was for a big company to let a little person go. You know, I had the, yeah. had the dubious pleasure of spending a short while at Enron, you know, the cleverest guys in the room and all that stuff. And to see how quickly something of that magnitude could come, you know, come unraveled just made me realize there was absolutely no way in hell that I was going to be reliant upon a paycheck again, even if that meant, you know, sort of having to tighten the belt and toughen up and suck it up but a cut for, for, for a while until things got better. I think, um, I think sadly, a lot of people have been uh, back to the boiling analogy, if they've been gently boiled, you know, to, to rolling point, a bit like the, the proverbial frog, and they do find themselves, as you said, beholden to to a master external to, to to themselves be that their boss be that their phone be that the job or the payments on the car the house whatever else and i i find that um find that quite sad but there we go um you spoke about pies uh so good point to uh, pull a finger or two out of uh, the pies that you you'd care to uh yeah care to share with um yeah it it it's evolved so um I think uh, that there's immediate stuff. So uh, I still continue with um, some limited business advisory um, into a handful of clients. And it's very much that external view. They're, they're SMEs. They're predominantly here. One's up in London, as you know. Um, so so that's good. And you know, I enjoy that coaching aspect and that strategy, that trusted advisor to, uh, to those businesses. Um, the businesses that we've started and the ones that we're building um, on water developments is uh, a, a journey that we've been on for a long time now. And uh, that's taking disused bodies of water and um, putting floating accommodation in various guises on those through through the planning process. So, uh, so that's going on. Um, that's quite a big bus or, you know, has the potential to be quite a big bus. And, um, I'm linked with uh, some humanitarian projects, um, again, in that green energy space where, um, yeah, so sourcing land and sourcing opportunities for um, for our associate partners to, um, you know, to implement those um, those green energy projects. So they're, they're, the, the business advisory bit is, you know, day to day in a way. The, the other two, um, which are, you know, uh, fairly big opportunities um, are beginning to close now. Um, and, that, and that will create a different dynamic in my world. You know, there's a lot of legacy attached to those, those two verticals. Um, and then the third one is um, Soteria Global Services, which... Um, is the passion and that's um that's operating in high performance environments providing um self-reflection toolkits with the academic backed uh quantitative data to uh 
actually sell through a license model into organizations um those preventative uh, toolkits um so that's where i want to spend more of my time uh i can see it you know there's obviously a small development company in there trying to build attainable houses for for local people note the word attainable the word affordable is just uh, i've lost patience with that so uh, we talk about attainable so yeah there's fingers in pies that the key strategy for the next six to 12 months is to provide you know some of these projects have been going on for a long time is to create that um that financial stability and uh that financial freedom to to be very focused on what happens over the next 10 years so i think you, you alluded to tightening belts and you know the bumpy bit um we're probably coming to the end of that now and uh but i think in my notes to myself this morning not just for this but just for for the next couple of weeks is not to ever ever lose sight of where you've come from because um yeah it uh as hard as it's been um it it's that journey that's got us to this point and and beyond so uh yeah so um that again hasn't answered your question very concisely but yeah fingers in a number of pies but uh, i'm ultimately the conduit to a number of those and uh that's that's how i like it and uh surrounding myself with you know like like-minded people you know it's a small inner circle and um that's that's my plan so yeah yeah i i mean two takeaways from that answer <clears throat> for me are one you are focused by design or by accident probably a mixture of both to have what i always refer to as multiple streams of business income so masobi yeah. you will which i think is imperative that was a lesson I learned. I was taught early on, but I didn't necessarily learn early on. I was always very much shit or bust. I always uh, the, the, the analogy I took for that was a, was a sporting analogy, which you and I are prone to do from time to time. Um, but that was I, I would, and this also dates me when I was having these lessons. But I would uh, I would say I'm more of a Kevin Peterson. You know, I go out there and I go for the big shots, and you know, yeah. uh, it'll either work spectacularly well or it will fail spectacularly. Um, in reality, I was actually being taught to be more of an Alistair Cook yep. or, dare I say, a Jeff Boycott kind of character and take yep. those easy singles and just, you know, chip away and accumulate on the success. And I think that's where that that's where the tough lessons are for an entrepreneur and people who have not actually perhaps had the experience, lived it themselves, don't appreciate the long, hard graft and the tough lessons that are usually dealt out to you and you alone. And yeah. you tend to internalize them. You tend to personalize them. Yeah. So I, th I think that that was one of the points, uh, as I said, the other one, you mentioned the word coaching. Mm. And and again, and I said earlier, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. It, it's not just business people that you coach either, is it? Tell, no. tell me. And uh, well, so, uh, yeah, no, um, Kingsbridge under 13s rugby club uh, or rugby team, which is uh, a boys team. So there are 33 young men who get the benefit of my wisdom on a Friday and a Sunday. Um, you know, I take great inspiration from Ted Lasso recently. You know, sports should be fun. So uh, they they get confused. And I think some of my fellow coaches get confused because we go from probably Scott Robinson, uh, the future, well, the, the, uh, the incumbent All Blacks coach, some of his philosophies to sort of Ted Lasso and then my own spin on it all. So, yeah, coaching, um, coaching 32, 33 boys uh, is challenging, but 
so rewarding and um yeah I have a fantastic group of uh of coaches uh around me and uh we've been on that journey now together for five or six years and uh no i love that you know um i, I referee as well uh which uh, provides good entertainment for watching parents, I think. So uh, I, I enjoy that as well. Um, so yeah, that long may that continue. You know, coaching, I, I don't see it as rugby specific. Uh, we have an amazing opportunity to give a very diverse uh, and a neurodiverse, there's a new word for you, Michael, neurodiverse group of uh, young men, um, you know, the benefit of some of our own life experiences. And uh, I think, yeah when you get emotionally um attached and ingrained with these you know young men it's uh it's rewarding and um you know but again challenging and yeah i have a meeting tonight on the uh the season's debrief so uh yeah uh amateur rugby clubs and amateur sports clubs so uh yeah i only have three points to uh to raise but yeah i love the coaching and um you know uh if uh, if my entrepreneurial ship delivers the financial successes, and I, I love that analogy because I, yeah, I we probably any entrepreneur has probably always uh, has been there at the beginning of the journey that you know I'm going to make it big quick, and uh, we all learn the lesson really quickly that it's uh, that it takes a long time, and there are reasons for that. So um, yeah, hopefully some of these things come through, and uh, that again creates time that creates better decision making but the coaching is definitely something that will continue i hope uh because yeah i love it and uh yeah probably one of my happy places uh on the fields of uh the south hams on a on a sunday coaching under 13s rugby so I think that's something that I'm I'm spectacularly guilty of and, and I've only come to very recently, probably only in the last year or so, and that is making more of my own happy places. You know, I, 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 to a degree, it comes from my father. You know, as I said, he's one of 11 or 12. We're not quite sure. Um, but, you know, having to graft hard, his, you know, my, his parents, my grandparents grafted hard, et cetera, um, to take time off and relax for oneself was kind of seen to be a bit weak, you know, um, but doing that is, is so, so important and finding those happy places that uh, where you can just recharge your batteries, refill your cup, you know, the, the, again, talking of analogies, you know, trying to feed other people or fill their cups or put their oxygen masks on when you're not, you know, capable of it, you haven't got the capacity is, is massive. But I think the other thing that, and your comment there about the coaching, um, highlights. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you certainly, me too, me too, they have a kind of a skill set, a toolbox, which is applicable across a lot of verticals, um, across a commercial vertical, as well as sort of, you know, non-commercial or, you know, sort of complementary verticals like the coaching of the rugby. Uh, and I think that's, that's probably for me, I think one of the key elements of being an entrepreneur is having that flexibility and adaptability, recognizing that you've got some skills inherent skills and learned skills which are applicable across different different parts of the you know spectrum is that fair Do you... yeah definitely um you know by virtue of the journey that i've been on to date you, you, you take the best bits from all of the people that you meet on the journey and um you know you form your own opinions and uh yeah there, there's a 
yeah, I, I'm unemployable, probably, you know, that's, that's the reality of being probably the same with you, you know, that, that that's the wrong thing to say, of course, we could be employed, but we probably wouldn't be doing ourselves justice now if we if we were doing that, you know, the entrepreneurial journeys that we're on and the spirit um, is very much about building, building things for, for people and building it with the right people. And um, they're the things that excite me. But it, it is all of those experiences. Um, and it's simple, you know, life gets overcomplicated on a on a daily basis, you know, business is simple, you, you, you're very good at, you know, the most important tasks and just, you know, defining what is important. And that's applicable across yeah, all of my verticals, you know, rugby coaching, rugby is a simple game, you know, um, again, that can be overcomplicated. Uh, I've recently been invited in to be a parent governor into the secondary school where our eldest son is and our other three children will go. And uh, I had my first meeting there last week. And again, education is incredibly complicated. And, you know, once you boil it down, it's very much driven by budget and um, driven by curriculum. Um, so being a parent governor there for the next four years could be uh, could be an interesting journey. So um, it's an observational role, but you know there will be a degree of uh, observations that will be shared. So yeah, absolutely. I think all, all of the things that uh, we've learned are applicable across all of our verticals. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely agree. I mean, with all the experience you've had and, and, and I know you're incredibly well read um, because we regularly send books to one another via Amazon. Um, what, and you've given some already, I know, but are there any specific pieces of advice that you've been given or you would like to give to people who are perhaps thinking of taking that first step into being a parentpreneur? Uh, yeah, there'll be a million reasons not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh, the logical mind uh your peer group your family your friends will all have an opinion um and that's uh, that's a really interesting dynamic so uh and i was there and i'm sure you were there you have to be uh clear in why you're doing it and but ultimately you have to believe in yourself um so i think that's that's at the top of the pile you know uh you know, I wake up to sort of seeing this quote every day. It always seems impossible until it's done from Nelson Mandela. And that that's so true. It all, you know, it always seems impossible um, until it's actually until you've done. And then you look back and like, why, you know, why was I getting so anxious or upset or worried about that? So, yeah, first piece of advice is go with your gut, go with what you feel. And um, if you're, you know, the reasons for you doing it sit easy with you, then yeah, you go. And uh, what have you got to lose? You know, that's, that's the reality. You, you know, uh, plenty of people, uh, what's the saying, you know, there's plenty of wonderful and amazing ideas that are just sat in the in the graveyard. So um, yeah, bring them to the fore before it's too late. Yeah, that's very, very true. Well, we're sort of coming towards the end of the show now. But what are your immediate sort of plans, wishes and goals? What sort of things are you aiming for in the next sort of 12 to 36 months um business wise um you know up, upward uh upward revenue curve on uh on these three verticals that uh, have been long term so an element of creating 
legacy in those and potentially creating some exits and um, working with like-minded people to to build those things of uh, of value and use. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there's some good work to be done over the next 12 to 36 months uh, on those. Um, continue, you know, with the self-care, the mental and the physical. I think, you know, we've talked about that during this, that um, they dovetail and um, continue to work on the parenting bit. You know, a lot of onus on that family family bit um and uh yeah just continue to try and create some of those memories and ultimately that's you know the children i can't believe where the time goes so yeah there's some uh there's some memories and some trips that are planned and uh yeah i think uh not to try and get bogged you know one of the things that um for the next 12 to 36 months is not to get bogged down in the weeds and uh to try and really keep the altitude for you um, and uh, with the right people around me, I, I feel confident that we can do that um, because you never know what's around the corner. Uh, again, another cliche, but um, just enjoy the now and uh, be grateful for what we have now because what we have now would be, you know, it, it is good, but to someone else, you know, don't compare my, don't like comparing, uh, myself to others you know i've learned those lessons from uh from yesteryear um yeah it, it's pretty good now as well so uh yeah be grateful for what we've got so yeah lots of trips and um some memories look forward to seeing south africa or the all blacks win in france in a couple of months time so that'll be good um and uh yeah i think um improve my golf game that that's uh that's on there i know you don't like that uh i want to win some sailing races as well i'm gonna get definitely gonna get back into that and uh you know the kids are involved in all of this which is good you know that they they're becoming competitive and uh so yeah i think uh just more of the same but um you know some of the things that uh, have been ongoing for a long time reach conclusion and uh we just go to the next phase of those businesses and um which is exciting that's fantastic you've just said something and uh that will make a lovely second part episode and that is competition and children is it <laughs> good for them question mark and so yeah maybe i'll pack the uh podcasting mic and bring it down when i'm going to see yeah. you uh, down in uh, down in devon in in no, june absolutely. we could have a have a chat around that uh bruce where can where can people find you? Um, is there anything you want them to look at at the moment? Anything that you'd like to promote or just uh, where can people say hi to you? I think link, link, LinkedIn, Michael, is um, yeah, yeah. My, main, my main platform for uh, generating connections and speaking to like-minded people. So, um, yeah, Bruce Brooker on uh, Bruce Brooker 1, I think it is, on, uh, on LinkedIn. So uh, we'll, we'll pop that in the show notes so people can find you there. Yeah, I'll send you um, the proper link in a minute. but. Uh, yeah, the, the inner circle is small for a reason, Michael. You know, I don't, uh, yeah, don't want to promote too much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's fair enough. Bruce, thank you so much as ever. Always a pleasure. No, and, thanks um, for having me on. Uh, I know this can be edited, which is good because I've talked a lot there. Um, just one final thought on the parenting, and I did dig out um, the one book yeah. that I do refer back to uh, often, which is Legacy uh, by James Kerr, The 15 Lessons in Leadership uh that we could all potentially take from the all blacks and uh, and this one always um always sticks with me 
and this is probably my ultimate thing with the children. Um, this was from uh, Sean Fitzpatrick. The reason your children turn out right is because their parents are right. The naughty little bastards are the ones where the parents are generally, and it's a generalization, but the ones that have been badly directed. And this is my favorite quote. Uh, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. So as a parentpreneur, if we can weave positivity and good behaviors uh, and good character into the lives of others, I think that's probably uh, a pretty good goal. Uh, Bruce, that's a fantastic note to end on. Thank you very much for that. And uh, we will speak again very soon. Thanks, Michael.